Reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. The rulers sneered at Jesus and said, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the chosen one, the Christ of God, even the soldiers jeered at him. As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuked him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. And indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Today is the solemnity of Christ, Jesus Christ, King of the universe. And the universe, as we all know, is a really big place. It needs a really big king. But what is a king? We don't really have a lot of experience with kings, do we? We have presidents, and we get to vote them out every four years. But you can't vote kings out. You can't vote kings in. They just are. So one of the things about Jesus being the king of the universe is, is that we don't get to choose who the king of the universe is, right? He is already the king of the universe, and we can't vote for him or against him. He just is. Jesus Christ is king of the universe. Now, a king is not a boss, you know, that we can complain about and try to see how much we can get away with behind his back. You know, a king's not a boss. He's something bigger than a boss. He's not a dictator, someone that we should be afraid of, that we should cower in fear and do everything that they tell us to because we're afraid they might harm us. No, a king is something different. A king is, first and foremost, a protector. A king is someone who is responsible for the protection of his subjects, for the protection of his people. A king is someone who is a provider. It's his job as king to see to it that the kingdom is able to function and to provide food for, and work for its people. He, the king is a provider. The king is a teacher. He needs to instruct his subjects in how to live. And sometimes the king is a judge. He must correct those who violate the terms of the kingdom in order to protect all the others. You see, a king's responsibility is the safety, security, provision, and peace of the kingdom. The king doesn't exist for everybody to take care of the king. The king exists to make sure that there is a secure, safe, peaceful kingdom that has opportunities for people to, to live 
and to grow. The king is something quite different from what we've experienced. Now, of course, as we read history, we realize there have been some good kings and there have been some bad kings. But kings, I think, by and large, try to be what a king should be. You know, when I was, I was talking about this with my daughter, and um, she says, oh, so, so Jesus is an Arthurian king. And it's kind of like that. He is a king that establishes the peace of the kingdom. The kingdom is the universe. He is the king of the universe. He is the king of the church. And he is the king of our lives. Now, how does Jesus accomplish this? How does he do this? Let's take a look at the second reading. Go ahead, you can open up your uh, missalettes. I'm going to grab mine up here. How does Jesus accomplish this? Brothers and sisters, writes Paul, let us give thanks to the Father who has made you fit. Often other translations say made you worthy. It's in the Eucharistic prayer. God has made you worthy. Who has made you worthy to share in the inheritance of the holy ones in light. Who are the holy ones in light? It's the saints and angels. God has made you worthy. The king has made you worthy to share in the inheritance of the saints and the angels. One of the great tragedies that I see again and again in people's lives is they don't see themselves as worthy of anything. They're not worthy to be taken care of. They're not worthy to be treated Correctly, They're not worthy to have a decent job and a place to live. They, do, they feel unworthy for anything. But the king has made you worthy to share in the inheritance of the saints and the angels. Again, the Arthurian kingship model. Remember the round table? How does the king make people worthy? He makes them a knight. God has made you knights to sit at his table. It's not a round table. It's a Eucharistic table that you can sit and confer with Jesus. You can, can sit with the king and tell him what the problems are so that he can fix them. He can care for you. Jesus, the king of the universe, cares for you and has made you worthy to share in the inheritance of the saints and the angels and light. He delivered us from the power of darkness. What is darkness? I think ignorance, confusion, the fog where we can't see where we're going. Do you know people, and I know people, that really think that the most important thing in this world is to see how far they can get in this world, to try to get ahead, to try to, to stock up and to do well and to be 
respected in the world and, and, to, and, to, and to be able to save a lot and to, to feel secure in the things of this earth. But you know they're all going to go away. We're going to spend eternity in the world to come. Why do we spend so much time and effort worrying about this world? I understand we have to live in this world and it takes money and it takes jobs and it takes a lot of, a lot of effort to survive in this world. I do understand that. Jesus understands that. But eternity is where we spend our lives, our true lives, forever. We can't just focus on this world. We need to take care of the things in this world, but we need to focus on the world to come, where eternity is. Otherwise, we stumble around in darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, Jesus the King has washed away from you everything that separates you from union with God, from being one with God, to being able to confer and to be with God, enjoy all and peace all of our lives. He is the image, Greek word there is icon, he, for the, of you artistic types, he's the icon of the invisible God. So often we think in our minds that God, you know, is something like, maybe like the Old Testament God that, that you know, we, we think that was so angry and wanting to smite people, or we, or we think is someone that uh, toys with people, and we have to come to him and, and try to uh, get favors from him and convince him to do things the way we want. That may have described Zeus or some of the pagan gods, but it doesn't describe our God. Jesus, the king of the universe, always comes to us with love and compassion. Read the Gospels. When was Jesus smiting people? When was Jesus refusing to take care of people? We don't have to convince him. That's why when he taught us to pray, he said, just pray your kingdom come, your will be done, because God knows already what you need, and it's his desire to give that to you. Jesus, the king of the universe, is the image of, of the invisible God, for in him, in Christ, were created all things in heaven on earth, the things visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers, or opinions, or judgments, or philosophies. Everything was created through him and for him. That we live in Christ, we live for Christ, to celebrate the king of the universe. He is the head, the king of of the body, his church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him all things might be preeminent, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile, to bring back together all things in him, all things. Everything in this world, we all become one in Christ. Not, not just separated individuals and not just separated from creation. We all become one in Christ, reconciled together in Christ, in which he made peace by the blood on the cross. Through him were the things on earth or things in heaven. The king of the universe that Paul describes in his letter to the Colossians, the king of the universe. He is here to make us his own. You know, throughout the scriptures, there are various 
metaphors that are used about our relationship with God. Sometimes it talks about us as being children of God. Sometimes it speaks of us as being brothers with Christ. Sometimes it speaks of us as being the bride of Christ. Whatever metaphor you choose, here is the point. We're all in the same family. We are in the family with Jesus, the King of the universe. We are his subjects, but are we good subjects? Sometimes I know it's easy to kind of want to sneak off into some little quiet part of the kingdom and, and kind of do our own thing and hope that, that the king's not really paying attention to us or, or noticing us because we're so desirous to do what we want instead of what may, perhaps we think the king might want. But instead of that, we're in the family of the king. Rather than that, we can actually choose to live in the palace with the king, to share at his table, to enjoy the fruits of his kingship. We can do that by daily participating in prayer and meditation and sacrament being in the palace of the king, sharing his life and letting him share ours. And we can live as the children of the king, the brothers and sisters of the king, the bride of the king. For we were not called into this church just to kind of slip through life and try not to be noticed. We were called into this church to be the princes and the princesses of Almighty God, of the Almighty King. And to take that authority out of these doors into a world that needs the sharing of the voice of the King. We can go forth in the confidence and in the authority of the royal ambassadors of the king of the universe and share with all the world the king loves them and desires for them all to come and live in his palace with us.